Here's a joke for you. A surgeon, an engineer, and a politician were debating which of their professions were the oldest. The surgeon said, Eve was made from Adam's rib, and that, of course, was a surgical procedure. Obviously, surgery is the oldest profession. The engineer said, yes, but before that, order was created out of chaos, and that most certainly was an engineering job. The politician smiled and said triumphantly, aha, but who do you think created the chaos? Well, Genesis 1 was written at a time, most likely in Israel's history, when they needed help remembering that God brings order out of chaos. You may have noticed there are two creation stories at the beginning of Genesis. We heard the beginning of the first story. The second begins very differently, not with a formless void and the creation of light, then sky, then water, And lastly, humankind. But it begins with earth and water already formed. And so I'll read to you a few verses from Genesis 2. Now, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Genesis 2 was written in a good time in Israel's history. Over 3,000 years ago, the northern and southern kingdoms were united, and they needed help remembering that they were formed by God from dust. Humility would be the order of the day if they were to maintain their strength and their power. When my daughter was three, she and I took a mommy and me swimming class at the Y. And she, she had been comfortable in the water from early days. And one day after class, she had swum over to the side of the pool and she laid her long floating noodle on the edge of the pool and then she let go. And she thought that she would float, apparently. She didn't have the skills yet to float. And so down she went. Now, she survived, luckily, as you can probably tell. But the same thing happens when we get overconfident and when we get too proud and when we think we can do more than we can do. We begin to sink, as did Adam and Eve. And that's that second story. In Genesis. Now, Genesis 1, the first creation story, the one that guides our thoughts today, was written not during a time of triumph, but during a time of chaos. It was written several centuries after Genesis 2. We call it the Babylonian captivity. The land had been conquered, and many people were taken away to Babylon, where there was another language, another culture, different gods, different social mores. And so here's, here's where the connection may be for you today. Do you ever feel like you've been taken from your homeland and life feels like chaos? If you're not interested in the biblical history part of this, it, 
this is the part where the rubber meets the road. We all encounter periods of chaos, and we need to be reminded that in the chaos, even in the chaos, God's Spirit is at work. You may have seen the article in the Roanoke Times this week about the death of Mark Donahue. Brian and I didn't know Mark well, but our sons were in the same class for a couple of years. And um, Mark was our age when he collapsed earlier this week at Fishburne Park. And yesterday, as I was thinking through my comments for today, I realized that while, um, while I was writing and thinking about chaos, that Lynn, Mark's wife, was living it. The, the funeral was yesterday at 2, and all the questions that she must have had. Her security is gone. Her partner is gone. What would that mean for the kids? How could she take care of them and grieve herself at the same time? Where are the insurance papers? Will I have enough money to cover this month's house payment? Chaos hits us all from time to time, along with its many questions and its uncertainty. It may come through a difficult semester, a job change, a death or departure or loss of any kind, even a birth of a child or the newness of a relationship. The priestly writers give us this beautiful illustration of God's creation of order out of chaos, knowing that we all enter the deep now and then. The earth was a formless void, we're told, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. In the Hebrew language, wind and spirit and breath are all the same word, ruach. It's really fun to say if you get that on the end, ruach. But from the very beginning, we're told here, the Spirit of God was sweeping over the chaos. The wind of God was sweeping over the chaos. The breath of God was sweeping over the chaos. It was only a word that God spoke that began that process of bringing order from that chaos. And then, let there be light. And there was light. And then, God separated the light from the darkness. Have you ever tried to picture the separation of the light from the darkness? It's as if God put a curtain between the light and the darkness. Like at a play, when the stagehand draws the light-deadening curtain across a stage so the audience can no longer see what's happening behind it. It's this same curtain that, in Mark's gospel, gets ripped open when Jesus gets baptized by John. Mark is the only gospel writer that has this violent imagery of the heavens being torn apart. Matthew and Luke are calmer. The heavens were opened. And Mark, rip! Just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven. There was this opening so you could hear this voice. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. This is a day of remembering that God breaks through. Sometimes God breaks through violently. 
as when the heavens are ripped open and the denial of God's presence is impossible. Other times God breaks through gently, and the breakthrough is in the eye of the beholder. Douglas Hyman went on a service trip to the coast of Mississippi after Hurricane Katrina hit there, and he and his team worked at the home of a retired Methodist pastor. The the minister, Reverend Jones, said that he and his wife had left their home before Katrina struck and had gone to a shelter. But after the storm passed, they were allowed to go back into their city and grab whatever belongings they could from their house. Well, when they entered, the water was two feet deep, knee deep. And Reverend Jones saw several framed family photos floating in the water. He didn't see anything else to save, and so he grabbed those pictures and left and took them back to the shelter. Once back there, he took the pictures out of the frames to lay them out so that they could dry. And when he removed his father's picture, money fell out of the frame. And he counted it all out. It came out to $366. Now, Jones had been 12 years old when his father died in 1942, and he had no idea, of course, that the money was in the frame. But it was precisely what he and his wife needed to go to Atlanta to be able to stay with their daughter for a while. Well, that was a breakthrough for them. God breaking through and providing exactly what they needed to bring some sort of order out of the chaos. Now, when we experience God breaking through into our lives, it's maybe that powerful way, but it may just be something gentle, a reminder, a word, a smile, a hug, a card in the mail. It's a a reminder that the heavens have been opened. And God did not separate God's self from us in God's creation. But there's a connection between God and us. God is here through the spirit of Jesus Christ. There was a young boy riding on the Greenway yesterday with what we call training wheels, what the British call stabilizers, stabilizers, yes. It's an image for us of how we try to ride in balance, but when we fall to one side or the other, God is there to stabilize us and remind each of us that we are God's beloved children, and in us, God is well-pleased. This good news needs to be shared with others We're from an evangelical tradition. We don't keep it to ourselves. We tell others what we have experienced so that they, too, can find ways to experience God breaking through to them. We are the hands, the feet, the welcoming arms of Jesus Christ, inviting all to find the cleansing and the stability that Jesus Christ offers us. This morning, we celebrate the baptism of our Lord. We heard the story, we'll exp- and we, um, 
we together will experience a practice that is done in many liturgical churches as a reminder of the gift and the symbolism of our baptisms. Now, I'm not going to baptize you all. Fear not. Um, Some of you were dunked, immersed in water. Others of you were sprinkled when you were babies. You have no recollection of that particular day. I don't remember the water from my baptism at about probably age 11. What I remember is the nervousness when I was standing in the hallway with all those other people dressed in white. But I know that I was baptized. I remember that I was baptized and that God connected with me and I connected with God in a powerful way when I made that decision. And so today we want to remember our baptisms. And I'm going to um, take a bowl with some water in it and an evergreen bough, or small branch, and I'm going to come around while you all sing our closing hymn, and I'm going to sprinkle you with some water. Now, I suggest you close your eyes. <laughs> but not just to keep the water out of your eyes, but to let your mind think and imagine and remember what baptism means. In our tradition, we descend into the waters of chaos, those waters, those same waters that the Spirit of God swept over before creation, and we're brought out of that chaos into the ordered discipline of a life with God. And we also remember in our tradition that baptism symbolizes God cleansing us from our sins, as we were hearing about in the children's message. From everything that holds us back from being full, fully children of God, the people that God has created us to be. And so let me say a prayer over the bowl of water that is on our altar table. And then we will have a litany of our reaffirmation of baptismal vows. May we pray together. Lord our God, we imagine Jesus in the Jordan and John releasing him into the waters of chaos and bringing him back out as the first step of his ministry and of his becoming our Savior. As we appreciate the water that you have given to us that flows so freely through our faucets, we ask that you would help us to remember that it is with such water that millions of people have been baptized over the years. And we pray that you would help us to remember what you offer to us, the gifts that you offer to us through baptism through our memories of our baptism, and then the discipleship to which that baptism calls us. Bless this water and bless us, we pray in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen.